This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. We have the wife of the Prime Minister of Canada, Ms. Sophie Trudeau, in self-isolation because of a trip that she had taken to the UK. And that all of a sudden brings up concerns about our own Prime Minister. Joining us right now is the Chief Political Correspondent for Global News, Mr. David Aiken. David, what do we know about this situation, let's see, almost three hours later? That's right. And it broke right around uh, just ahead of noon uh, here in Ottawa that Sophie Gregoire Trudeau had traveled to the UK, comes home, gets sick. Last night, mild flu-like symptoms. Today, she had a COVID-19 test. I think the earliest we can expect uh, results, I think it takes at least six hours or so to turn a test around. So it'll probably be around dinner time tonight if we know if she does have it. She doesn't seem to, but everybody's being cautious. And then her husband, of course, the prime minister, says, well, listen, if she's going to be in self-isolation, probably best that I do the same thing. That's just what he's been telling people to do. So he's following his own advice. And he announced, sorry, guys, I'm going to be working from the home office, teleconference, etc." But of course, Trudeau was supposed to be hosting all of the country's premiers here uh, for two days of meetings that were to get underway a little later on this afternoon. Those meetings, the first minister's conference, has been postponed. They won't happen. Uh, Premier Doug Ford, was he was up here this morning, had a press conference, uh, heard about the cancellation of the meeting. He's already turned around and headed back to Queen's Park or Toronto. Uh, Alberta's Jason Kenney had traveled here. He was here, gave a speech this morning, had a one-on-one meeting with the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland. He's turned around and gone home. Um, so... Uh, the first ministers aren't going to meet, but the business of the nation's got to go on. And obviously, I, you know, one of the top things on the agenda was COVID-19, the response, and the economic fallout. It looks like all those first ministers are going to get on a conference call tomorrow to talk about that at the very least. There is that billion-dollar fund that the prime minister announced yesterday, and that was well-received by the premiers I spoke to today. Uh, and I think there's a general understanding that if anybody needs more money, money will be available. I don't think this is going to be a question where the the federal government or the provinces, I assume, are going to be uh, very stingy. Uh, Premier Ford saying just as much today. Do whatever it takes, spend whatever it takes uh, to deal with uh, the health care crisis caused by COVID-19. But then there's the economic fallout. And certainly Alberta's uh, Jason Kenney, you know, they're really hurting in Alberta, Saskatchewan and Newfoundland and Labrador because of the oil price shock. They were looking for some special help. We'll see what happens there. But obviously, it's uh, the biggest thing right now is uh, the health of our leading politicians. The prime minister saying he's feeling fine, feeling no symptoms, but he ain't going to work. And who knows? He might have to stay at home for 14 days. Would be rather remarkable. And we know that politicians travel. We especially know the prime minister travels. But the impact of not getting around and, and carrying out daily business, how do we put that into perspective? What's happening? Well, this is something that not just prime ministers, but everybody who runs any kind of business or organization is is now, I, I think, you get the sense, really having to figure out, okay, what do we do? We've just seen the NHL has just decided to suspend its season. The NBA suspended season. The Major League Baseball has suspended operations. Um, we're learning of companies saying, okay, we're going to take this vice president and his team, and they're going to work from you know this part of the country and this group so that we have business continuity plans. It's the same thing with governments. In fact, even before today's news with the prime minister, uh, we know that the there was discussion among politicians, what happens if MPs can't? come to Ottawa to vote in the House of Commons. I mean, MPs from British Columbia, well, MPs from a lot of parts of the country, spend a lot of time on a plane. They're back and forth to the ridings every week. Uh, they have a week off next week. They're all in the ridings next week. 
But I expect that there will be some contingency plans we're going to learn about if MPs cannot travel or shouldn't travel to vote uh, or participate uh, in debates. The, the the business of the nation's got to carry on, and people right now are trying to figure out, okay, uh, how does government work, just as private sector businesses are also figuring out, okay, what do we do if certain people can't come into the office? Chief Political Correspondent for Global News, Mr. David Aiken, joining us. David, one last thing, and that is, are we going to maybe test out all of those things that have been available to us where you can meet, you know, online, you can have conference calls by phone? Do you think this might change any way of doing business, or is face-to-face still something that we'll want to get back to someday? This is something I think everybody's going to have to sit down and think about for themselves. Uh, Personally, for me, I think, and I'm about as plugged in as I think anybody in my job can get, I still think there's no replacement for the face-to-face. There's just an extra quality to a personal interaction. And I think we're going to learn how much we value face-to-face, despite the, you know, FaceTime, Skype, YouTube sort of society we live in. Uh, we're going to find out that face-to-face does make a big change, and this is what's going to happen. But in the meantime, yes, I guess everybody is now going to be uh, thinking about how they can accomplish their tasks uh, without having to uh, to be in person. It's going to be a big change. Biggest change, of course, for those who sort of can't take their work home. You think construction workers, for example, or those who serve in, way, in, in restaurants, uh, actresses, act, actors uh, at, in plays. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of people who can't do their work without a good crowd around them. NHL hockey players, NBA players. Uh, we're going to find out how this is all going to work. It's a strange new world. David, thank you so much for the time. Dave Woodard has spent a lot of time in a lot of different places today and has covered so many angles of this that we wanted to start the show with Dave. He served as an aggregator for us earlier this week when it came to stock markets, and we did see the 7% decline that triggers an automatic stop to the Dow, and so that happened. But Dave Woodard has been at Pearson International Airport. He is a global news reporter with uh, Global News 640 Toronto, and he joins us now. Dave, how are things? Mike, I'm good. Uh, Things are actually at the airport. They're pretty quiet at the moment, um, but it just kind of like ebbs and flows of a a regular um, international airport. So this morning it was incredibly busy. There were a lot of people um, getting to their destinations, Um, but right now it's kind of a a bit of a lull in in the uh, system, if you will. So a lull and it seems quiet, but would it at 110 on a Thursday most days seem uh, probably a little bit more quiet? Absolutely. And that's I've actually uh, spoken off the record with a couple of security guards because it, it I mean, I've never been to an airport at 110 in the afternoon. It's always, you know, your flight if you're heading somewhere. It's usually either in the morning or in the evening. Um, but, yeah, I did talk to the security guard and said, is this is this normal? Is this quiet? And they said, you know, this is pretty normal. In fact, there's probably a few more people because of the March break coming up this week uh, than there normally would be. So um, it, it's it's actually quite calm. I was expecting a lot of people to be uh, kind of harried running around the airport. I expected to see, quite frankly, I, quite, uh, I expected to see a lot more people wearing masks, and I really didn't. Um, although I guess it could be said that uh, if you're worried about getting sick, you're not going to the airport. So there's that. 
Dave Woodard joining us as we talk about some of the things that he has been dealing with and reporting on today. Now, did you have a chance to talk with any passengers who were flying? And if so, did they have any concerns? Yeah, no, I spoke with a few uh, that were heading out, uh, not only um, throughout our country, but also uh, some others. I spoke to somebody who was going to London. Uh, they they seemed like they were okay. Um, that 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 they were um, they took precautions, and that really kind of was for everyone. They said they all took precautions that you should be taking when you fly, anyway. So bringing hand sanitizer, cleaning your hands regularly, coughing if you have to into your elbow. Um, all of those things that they're, they, they're already aware of and are taking those kinds of uh, procedures seriously. Um, there was only really one person that I talked to that was a little concerned, and that really wasn't about her trip. She was heading to St. Martin's um, for vacation with her six-year-old son uh, and her husband. And her concern was that in the immediate airport, like the entry, there was no hand sanitizer anywhere. In fact, in that first um, non-secured part of the airport, there's no extra sanitizer anywhere. You can go to the bathroom, wash your hands with soap. That's not a problem, uh, but no actual hand sanitizer. Now, I've been told that on the other side of security, there's a lot of it. So people who are worried about that can get that on the other side. Uh, but other than that, that, that's really the only concern that anybody really had. We're talking with Dave Woodard from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And Dave, one of the other things you've been keeping an eye on would be colleges and universities, those sorts of things. What are you hearing in that way? Right. So actually, right at this very moment, I'm sitting outside of uh, the University of Toronto uh, speaking with a few students. Um, and, and we've heard rumblings that, you know, cancel uh, classes might be canceled, which kind of makes sense. When you look at a lot of the sports venues um, that are being canceled, I know the OHL has, has put in um, some uh, policies as well. Uh, that are going to affect the London Knights, right? So I think that there's a lot of these sporting events. We were talking uh, about perhaps colleges and universities would be looking at, at this. But with finals just a month away, what kind of impact would that have? I spoke to a number of students to ask if they've heard that classes are going to be canceled. Uh, and while there's no... Um, class cancellations at this point, there are contingencies in place. They've been told that there are contingencies so that if there is a cancellation, um, that they'd be, or how they'd be able to finish their courses. Uh, most of the, the people that I spoke to even said that they'd be surprised if they canceled classes uh, because there's so much that's going on in this last month of school, so many you know labs that are due, so many things that need to get done uh, before the, uh, the the exam time in about a month. Uh, but it is something that is on a lot of these uh, students' minds. Well, Dave, thank you so much for all the reporting in all the places today and the updates you've provided us with. All the best. Anytime, Mike. Let's talk music industry because the big announcement seemed to happen earlier today that the Junos had been canceled. But as we welcome music commentator Eric Alper to London Live, there is now another announcement that hasn't been really made official, but Billboard is reporting something, Eric, and that something seems to have a major impact on some entertainment. What is happening? 
Yeah, well, Billboard has just reported that Live Nation, the largest uh, promoter in the world of shows, they do so many events that are happening, not only in London, um, here at home in the big arenas, but around the world, that um, that they have um, basically trying and instructing to send all of their tours back home um, in their respective cities. So it looks like that we might be seeing some massive cancellations over the next 24 hours, not only of events happening here in Canada, but for around the world. We saw it first with Pearl Jam earlier this week, canceling their North American tour. Um, and it looks like that others have quickly followed. And this is what happens when you have... Um, Oh, something like I don't think is is I mean this is this is nothing compared to SARS. I mean, what the the absolute devastation that I've seen out there for all industries um, is I think only going to get worse because we just don't know what is going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and there is that great unknown, which seems to be a really common thread throughout all of this, whether it is the virus itself or whether it's how things will behave or what the stock markets will do. But right now we're we're zeroing in on the music industry. So you mentioned Live Nation, one of the largest promoters. They've grown that way over the last few years, haven't they? Yeah, you, you know, it, it's getting to the point where, you know, eventually if you are going to be a successful artist, you're going to have to pass through um, the uh, Live Nation division because they not only own... Um, the venues, but they own the parking, they'll own um, various aspects of the food and alcohol companies that distribute to those venues. So, um, you know, it, it's, you know, they, they own, you know, not only the, the marketing and sponsorship ability, but, um, you know, they work with Ticketmaster um, a great deal in order to actually sell those tickets to people like you and I and, our, and the uh, listeners. So this is a, a major um, announcement that um, hasn't been made officially from Live Nation, um, but Billboard rarely gets things wrong. And certainly when it comes to the coronavirus, nobody wants to kind of make uh, any more panic uh, happen as it is. Music commentator Eric Albert joining us. Eric, let's turn to our home soil. Last year, the Junos were in London and they were amazing. Normally yeah. you think of the Junos as a one-day event until they come to your city and then you realize, oh no, this is not a one-day event. This is a week-long event and it was tremendous. So that week-long it was kind of underway right now, but we received word earlier today that the Junos are not going to be happening. Yeah, you know, I was about four hours away from leaving the airport. In fact, I have 15 artists that were nominated that were all flying out today. One of them is actually in Saskatoon right now um, looking for ways to fly home. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is a week-long um, celebration of Canadian music that started um, on Monday in Saskatoon. It pumps about $7 million into the local economy. Um, so, you know, it's not just the, the artists that are being recognized, but you know, uh, Karis, who is the the Juno Awards um, organizing committee, they've been working for years on Saskatoon, just like they did with London. This stuff just doesn't happen four months before. There's caterers to book and hotels to book and working with the health department and all of the emergency services and the venues and the malls and the entire music industry uh, around the world as well to, to ensure that the artists are available to, in fact, come home to Canada and play. But, um, you know, this morning's announcement of their cancellation was the only one that the Juno Awards could have made. And, like, keep in mind, because, you know, I, I, I tweeted about this today and I saw a lot of snarky comments about, you know, Canadian music and, and, and on and on. But it, it, it really 
affects everything because once we start to see the entertainment industries start to postpone or cancel events, we look to the entertainers to kind of, you know, give us a little bit of, of breathing room and, and entertaining value away from real world problems. It's why the NBA and now the NHL today have postponed um, their games for the current season. It looks like the Major League Baseball is going to be doing the same any moment now. These are supposed to be the fun things in life. And when those problems in the real world start seeping into um, our creative talent in sports, it, it just becomes a real problem. We're talking with Eric Albert, music commentator, and you raised some very good points there. And in terms of the way that things go, I mean, let's almost look at this as not every artist is Pearl Jam. Not every artist is U2, where their livelihood is made touring, their livelihood is made working, playing music. What happens now to the people who are in the process of trying to make it if there's nowhere to really perform for a bit? Yeah, there's so many aspects to that. I mean, there's a lot of artists that are on the road right now that are surviving solely based on selling T-shirts and CDs and vinyl off of their merch table. That money allows them to have a hotel room to get to the next venue. These, You know, it's something like 65 to 70 percent of all independent artists, artists that's not signed to, say, a Universal or Sony or Warner, the biggest labels around the world, you know, they're making less than poverty right now. Um, and and that's just the way that the music industry is going. We're, we're, you know, we're moving into a streaming service system where, you know, there's not a lot of CDs that are being sold. There's not a lot of vinyl records being sold. Um, and the low amount of royalties that artists get from music streaming services and places like YouTube, it just, you know, it's, it's unsustainable to a lot of independent artists out there that, you know, have that local show in London on a weekend. Um, I, we're, we're all going to kind of feel for each other because, you know, if people don't go out to the restaurants and the bars, then these artists have nowhere to play to. I've got artists right now on the road that have sold over 800 to 1,200 tickets for their shows. They're worried that they may be playing to 50 or 100 people if people stay at home, and rightfully so. Do you expect people in a case like that would be asking for refunds and things, or once you've purchased a ticket, you purchased a ticket? Yeah, I've I've actually heard from quite a bit of fans out there um, for various tours that I work with. Um, and they're asking what the refund policy is, but so far um, I haven't had any cancellations yet. And it's it, it's mostly a legal and an insurance thing where you know unless the artist cancels. Um, there's very rarely giving refunds away, but it looks like that over the next couple of days, we may start to see um, a lot of these canceled shows happen. But until that show is canceled, though, most of the fans are, are pretty much out of luck when it comes to refunds, because as long as the show happens, there's not much that they can do about it. Would there be concerns over smaller venues or could that even help the people, like you say, who are on the road making less than minimum wage to do what they're doing, living off T-shirt sales and the little bit that they get from playing in a, a bar somewhere or a, a club somewhere, would they still continue on, do you think? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've started to see online a little bit of chatter from Canadian independent artists that um, that don't really see the panic just yet. Um, and and I, I'm not sure um, if it's because maybe they're, they're living in smaller towns or that they're just not seeing it or that they're not, you know, watching a 24-hour news cycle, let's say you and I are on a, on a regular basis. Um, I would be surprised if there are still um, bands that, that 
even don't think about touring because again, it's 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 not really so much about the artist that they have to. Th- they can't really just think about themselves. They've got to think of the fans and the business and the customer base. And in any business, whether you're in music or selling insurance or cars, the minute that you take your eyes off of your customer and don't do what they want you to do, that's when your business starts to falter. And I think that the music industry in general has to take a look at the safety and security of their fan base and say, is this worth it for us to go ahead? Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe we, we pick up other jobs elsewhere. Yeah, well, it is, it's an interesting 24 hours, that's for sure. Eric, anything else before we go? Um, well, I think that we should all just, you know, keep listening to the radio station, really. I, I think we're, we're going to find out what kind of entertainment value we all have, uh, you know, within our own homes. And, you know, I've just been I've just been telling artists all day long, now's the perfect time to go live, but maybe you do it from the basement or your studio in your house. There you go. Eric, thanks again. Uh, be safe and uh, keep all your artists uh, going strong. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk soon. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.